Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. This word, I believe, is going to help you and encourage your faith, strengthen your faith, strengthen your hope in what God has promised you. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 23, it says, Let us hold fast the confession or profession of our faith. Without wavering, for he who promised is faithful or also able to perform it. Hebrews 10, 23. It is so important today that we hold fast to the profession of our faith. Without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. You know, it is so important today that we learn to become professionals at faith. What does this mean? Again, when you see this in the Bible, the profession of your faith, it's something that you're going to have to learn to develop and work on and continue to do consistently. You know, what is an amateur? An amateur is somebody who does it sometimes. You know, just like with me, I'd be an amateur at golf. You know, I'm because I, I, I don't play it all every week. I don't play it all the time. I just play it whenever uh, I want to go play. I just do it when other, other people might invite me to go do it or something. Uh, but I'm not a professional. A professional does it consistently. Wakes up every day, has a consistent pattern, and learns to do it consistently. You know, the Bible says to hold fast to the profession of your faith. What is your profession today? Is your profession faith and trust in God? Is that the highest part, part of your life when it comes to your profession? Your profession and your confession, they're one together. So we need to learn to exercise our faith through the profession or the confession that we have in the promise and our trust in God concerning it. You know, oftentimes when we get under attack, this is the thing that gets attacked first. You ever notice that? Whenever you are under attack, you know, let's say you, you get a bad report or you're Everything is going well. All of a sudden, something comes. You get something, a a letter in the mail, some kind of bill or some kind of something takes place uh, in your life. And all of a sudden, it kind of takes you. uh, Maybe in business, something happens. uh, You know, whatever that might be. But you feel like what your your process is uh, under attack. Maybe it's your physical body. You're under attack in some way. A sickness tries to get onto your body. Well, listen, you know, right there, that is when oftentimes we begin to get weak in our profession. But see, in the good days, this is where we practice. On the bad days is when you begin to say it too. Just because you're under attack, doesn't, it shouldn't change your profession. It doesn't mean that God has fallen off the throne and that his promise has changed. No, it just means that now you've got the fight of faith on your hands that you're going to have to hold fast to that profession to see that manifestation. Oftentimes, the closest part point to the manifestation is going to be the most difficult time that you're going to be facing right before your breakthrough. You know, the Holy Spirit years ago taught me this, and he he showed me something about when Jesus was on the cross. You know, he had come to the point of the manifestation of the fulfillment of why God had sent him. You know, when we look at our call and we look at what God has for us, we think oftentimes, man, once I get into that place, where whatever that might be, that's when it's going to become easy or that's when everything's going to be awesome. Well, you think about that with Jesus. 
When he come to the point of why God sent him here, it wasn't the easiest place for him to impart for him to go through. No, he had been prepared for that moment all the time that he was growing up in the natural and all that time in his ministry to that point for God sent him here for that purpose. And at that point, when those nails pierced his skin, when they broke through that skin, you have to think about it like that. When you're looking at your breakthrough, oftentimes it's at the most hardest time and most difficult time is where the point of breakthrough and the thing with Jesus was he never changed his profession he knew he had to go through that he even prayed he was struggling in it and he said God not my will but your will be done and Garden of Gethsemane on the night before he was going to be tried and crucified and whipped and beaten he said not my will but your will be done he said, I'm going to get this breakthrough. I'm going to walk through this thing. I'm going to go through it. Whatever I got to go through, I'm going to go through it to get to the other side because that's where the, the, the benefit, that's where the manifestation, that's where the promise comes and is fulfilled. You know, that we learned last week out of Romans 4, 17 with Abraham. The Bible says that, he says, as it is written, you, Father, God, you made me the father of many nations. And was he the father of many nations? He was the father of many nations the moment God spoke it to him. But it had not come to pass in the natural yet. Yes, they made mistakes along the way. But God didn't forsake him because he made a mistake. He kept his heart right with God, got his profession right. And he began to continually say what God said to him so he could see the result that God had promised him. If he would have cast off his profession, he would have never received the promise. But he did not do that. He believed God. He put full trust in God because he said that God calls those things that be not as though they were. So he called himself what God called him. And he said, I am the father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, God, who quickens the dead, calls those things that be not as though they were. And he, would, he did not get weak in faith. But was strong in faith, giving glory to God. What was he saying when he was giving glory to God? Giving glory to God was when he was saying, God, I thank you. You have made me the father of many nations. I believe you. Glory to God. I'm not going to consider my body now dead. I'm not even going to consider the impossibilities that I see around me. Not even in Sarah from producing it. But God, you promise, and that promise is greater than any ever, any impossibility, any natural thing that could hold it back. God, I'm holding fast to the profession of my faith, and I'm not going to waver in it because I trust you. I'm not the one that's got to perform it. You're going to perform it. You promised it. It's going to come to pass. I'm going to be the beneficiary of that which you promised me. Glory to God. I'll tell you today, we need to be professionals at confessing and understanding and holding fast to that profession. When you hold fast to something is when you take a hold of it. You're embracing it and you're not letting it go. You know, years ago, uh, uh, there was a time uh, that I hadn't seen my parents for many years. I had uh, lived here in Australia uh, because the Holy Spirit sent us here. And when I came here, there was years of time that I did not get the chance to see my parents in person. But you know, when I first saw them. I just ran to them and embraced them. And we just stood in an embrace for a long period of time, not letting go. You know, that's what we have to do when it comes to the promises. We embrace them. We hold fast to them through our profession, through our confession. We don't cast off 
those promises because of the attack or the time that it takes or whatever comes. We hold fast to that profession without wavering until we see the manifestation. And then once we see the manifestation, there's other things that God's probably already working in your life. And there's many avenues to that when it comes to the promises, whether it be for your, your body, whether it be in your finances, whether it be in your children, whether it be in your mind, whether it be whatever it is in your business, in life, we have the profession of faith. Now, there's so many great and precious promises that we have because we have become partakers of the divine nature. You know, that's what Peter says. The Bible says that we have been given great and precious promises. We're partakers of this divine nature. Why? Because we are a royal priesthood. We are of the family of God. We have been given promises from our Father in which he has given to us as citizens of his kingdom in this life and in the life to come. Isn't that good news? You know, as a citizen of the kingdom of God, God is a good God. He's a good ruler. Jesus is the Lord. He is the king of the kingdom. He rules currently from heaven but he rules us by, through the word and the Holy Spirit. We are uh, the ambassadors of that kingdom on earth today. And he is ruling through us on earth. We are the citizens. He is the head of his church. And we have promises. We have uh, uh, being part of the citizenship. You know, here in Australia, uh, there are certain things that you can access because you have a right to that because you're an Australian citizen. You have access to the covenants and to the promises of a citizen of the kingdom of God here in this life today. And let me just tell you, they far surpass what man can do for you. They, are, they far surpass the things and the benefits that come just from our natural citizenship on this planet today. Because you have a kingdom that cannot be moved. You have a God that can do miracles that, that brings to pass things that this world cannot provide for you. And this is what we need to grasp a hold of because we are citizens of his kingdom. We have promises and a covenant that is given to us by our king. And we can hold fast to these things and understand that we are receiving them. We're the beneficiaries of those promises. You know, Paul, he had a disciple, a son in the spirit named Timothy, whom he had appointed pastor uh, of the church in Ephesus. And he told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 13, 2 Timothy 1, 13, he said, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. He said, Hold fast the form of sound words which you have heard of me or you have learned from me in faith and in love which is in Christ Jesus. You see... There's a pattern of sound words. Very unique, isn't it? When you look at that understanding concerning what does that mean, he's talking about holding fast to the profession of the words that you've been taught and how you should speak, what you should, how you should be talking about what you have and who you are, who God is, who you are in God, and what you have been given through the covenant that has been sealed by the blood of Jesus, these great and precious promises, which you are a partaker of, we have to hold fast to these sound words. Why? Because we understand that is how our kingdom works. God speaks and it comes to pass. God says and it manifests as we receive and we believe on him. 
You know, when you look at uh, the Bible in many, many areas, we can look back at the Old Testament and find how that God made promise to the children of Israel. And there was timing and season and all of those things. But God brought them to those places. Sometimes they didn't receive it because they didn't believe him. They wanted it. They had a mental assent to those promises. You know, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they had a mental assent to the promise and to the promised land. They wanted that. They believed it. But when it came time to possess it, to take hold of it, their words were contrary to what God said that they could do and what they could have and what he had promised them. Their words were contrary to what God had said. Only two of them began to say what God said. They said, Joshua and Caleb, we're well able to possess it. For God has given it to us. It's our promise. We can go in and take it. We can possess it. But the people had a contrary word. They didn't hold fast to the pattern of words in which they were taught. They didn't mix it in their heart. You know what? Your tongue will do, your confession will do. Your confession is like that mixer, that spoon, so to speak, the stirring stick of belief, of faith in your heart. It begins to stir you up. You know, when you begin to say what God says, it begins to stir you up. Even through the attack and the things that's going on, when unbelief is trying to get a hold of your mind, if you begin to say what God says, it begins to stir you up, stir you up. it stirs your faith up, it strengthens your hope. And it renews your mind to the truth. It is so important that you have a profession and confession of what God has said. And you hold fast to that. God will develop that in you. He'll continually develop your profession and your confession. He'll continually build upon the things that he's already put in you. He'll begin to align your words, not with the circumstance, but with the promise. If you'll allow his word and his spirit to do that. When you begin to develop the pattern of sound words in your life, when you begin to develop that pattern of sound words, you begin to say, you know what? We are well able to take it. God is able to bring it to pass. Just like Abraham, God is able to perform it. Just like Joshua and Caleb, we are able to go in and possess it because God has given it to us. God said it belongs to us, so therefore it does. What God provided for them, they were able to possess it. You know, the Bible has these great and precious promises in there. There's many great and precious promises. Some of those precious promises are that you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. That means that the covenant and the promises that God has given to you through your new birth belong to you. You're under the citizenship, the protection, and the provision of the king of the kingdom of God. And we are submitted to that king. We are committed to that king. And through our citizenship, we have these promises and we can receive them. They belong to us because of what he's done. We're not trying to earn them. We've been given, to, we've been given them because we've been born again. The same understanding is, is that when we obey God according to his word, if we disobey God, we can't expect that those promises are going to come to pass. Why? Because we're in disobedience, just like the children of Israel. The promised land was given to them, but he told them, go in and possess it. They refused to go in and possess it. 
because they said of themselves, we are not able to do it. They even said that God had brought them out there to kill them. That wasn't God's promise. God said, you are able because I'm with you. You can do all things through me. I'm with you. I've proven myself over time. I am with you. I got this. I can take you in. I'm going to cause you to possess it. You're going to win that land that belongs to you. But that generation had to die off. And a new generation had to be raised up with the right profession, with the right heart, that would say, we're going in. We're not going to be like our fathers who died in the wilderness because they didn't take hold and embrace and confessed and obeyed. You see, your obedience and your confession are a connection to the fulfillment and manifestation of those promises. You know, Romans 8.37 says this. There are those today who may be confessing what they confessed here where Paul the Apostle. He heard these people who said things against, in the church, against what God had said about them. In verse 36, he said, As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37, Paul says, But no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, oftentimes we look at that when it comes to how God loves us. But what Paul is referring to here, if we hold it in context of what he is saying to us, he's talking about us walking in the Spirit, receiving the promises because God loved us. He gave his own son, and he's talking about the covenant that we have been given as citizens through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he tells us, no, nothing can separate us from this covenant of promise that God has willed towards us through Jesus. That's why it's called the New Testament, his will, towards us. That we have today, if we'll lay hold on it, we are more than conquerors. We don't say what he said in verse 36. No, we don't say, well, we're just killed all the day. No, that's what the children of Israel did in the wilderness, and they did not receive the promises. No, we say what he says in verse 37. No, in all these things, we're more than conquerors. That means we're well able to receive. We can have these things. They belong to us. But we have to align our words with what God says. You know, when you begin to believe what God said, you'll begin to say what he says. When you believe what God said, you'll begin to say what God says. And then when we don't believe what God says, we'll, be, we'll begin to say what we see and how we feel or how we actually believe it will come to pass or what will come to pass. But that can be contrary to what God has said. God says that by, your by his stripes, you are healed. I want you to take a moment, if you're sick in your body today, begin to see yourself healed. Begin to see yourself that way. Begin to think of that in your mind. What is the image that you have in your mind when it comes to what healing would look like in you? Get a hold of that. Hold fast to it. Begin to understand what God has promised you. Begin to receive that into your life.
If you see in your finances today where, you, where you're not where you need to be or you see yourself, I'm not telling you to compare yourself with somebody else in the world, but with what you need, with what you desire, where you want to be in that area. Begin to see that. Begin to see yourself that way because if God has revealed that to you and you see that that is what you should be and have in those areas, listen, begin to receive that. Begin to say that. Begin to think like that. Begin to call those things that be not as though they were according to the will that God has revealed to you. How do you know what the will of God is? Well, he reveals his will to you by his spirit, through his word, because the spirit and word will agree as you hear the word of God, as you begin to grasp a hold of what belongs to you as a citizen, personally in the intimate relationship that you have with God as he begins to reveal himself to you, and his will in these areas for your life, you grab a hold of those things. And you begin to say it. You begin to renew your mind. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it tells us, it says that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable worship. And then it tells us to be renewed in your mind. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, to have a metamorphosis, to be transformed into that which you believe. What he's saying is renew your mind, not be conformed, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, your mind oftentimes is the battlefield Because if your tongue is connected to your mind and it is contrary to the will of God, which he has revealed to you, and you begin to hold fast to that profession, this is why we're making our body a living sacrifice. Because we're not trying to have a mental ascent. We're not trying to have just self-exaltation or anything of that nature. But what we're doing is, is we're having a confession and profession according to the will of God that he's revealed to us. And when we do, what we're doing is is we're stirring up our faith. We're undergirding our hope because that will undergird your hope when you begin to say, you begin to profess. It'll renew your mind. If you're feeling a lack of hope, begin to say what God says. But you'll also, when you do that, you'll notice probably oftentimes your mind will battle against your profession. And when it does, you just keep saying it. And you begin to get your mind renewed by bringing every thought into captivity to obedience that is in Christ. And that is when you begin to, your trust will grow in God. When you begin to do that. And you'll, when it comes time to enter in, receive, or go through the process and get the breakthrough, you'll do it. You'll have it. You begin to see that manifestation come to pass. So what are the possibilities of the fruit of your life from holding fast to the profession of your faith? You know, I believe they're limitless. You know, Proverbs 15.4 says that the tongue is a tree of life. Proverbs 15.4 says that the tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. That means you breach That which God is trying to give to you, he's trying to give to you through his promise, through the covenant that we have. You get a breach in the spirit. 
You see, your tongue is spiritual. Don't think that your thoughts are not spiritual. They're spiritual. Your tongue is spiritual. And what you say is spiritual. It's either going to produce fruit and cause you to produce fruit, things begin to manifest, or it's going to be a breach in the spirit through what you say. That means, what is a breach? When you breach a contract, you break a contract, you break that covenant through the breach in the spirit. That's why we need to hold fast to the profession of our faith. See, the tongue will bring life. It'll produce life. It can be a tree of life. You know, the Bible says also in Proverbs 12, 18, it tells us in Proverbs 12, 18, it says that your words, the words that come out of your mouth, they're like a sword. The Bible says there is that which speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. The lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil, but to the counselors of peace is joy. You know, one of the things that is so important today is how you're communicating, what you were saying today. See, you can use your tongue today as a sword that thrusts through in the spirit and breaches that which God is trying to develop and build in your life. Or it can be a tree of life, and it can produce the peace of God. It can begin to produce the things and the fruit that God intended, the will of God in your life, by receiving, beginning to profess, confess, begin to say what God says. You know, Jesus said it like this out of Luke 6.45. Jesus said it like this out of Luke 6.45. And I'm telling you this is so important because it really depends on your heart. Well, your heart is, it's your spirit. If you're, if you're being ruled by the sense realm and not out of your spirit, then you're going to really struggle with this, but you're going to have to get the profession, get the word in your heart, what God says. It's not, and it's very simple. Take those simplicity of the scripture and begin to get it into your heart, believe on those things, and begin to say it with your mouth. Look at Luke 6.45. And Jesus said this, and it's so important, because this is how you condition your heart. I want, and and, and just, just look at that scripture there. This is how you condition your heart. Your heart is conditioned by the word that is spoken and that you hear. And then also it is conditioned, continually conditioned by what you are saying. So you're renewing your mind. You're conditioning your heart. You're plowing it up, so to speak, so that seed can go deep into your, your spirit. If you're struggling with a particular scripture or word because you're facing a lot of difficulty in life and in the situation it's coming against it, this is why you need to make a pattern of sound words till that gets so deep in your spirit that you, 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 it won't come out of you. You see yourself as more than a conqueror because you're going to find out God's not leading you to the slaughter. He's leading you to the provision of that which he's promised you in the manifestation. And listen, God does miracles. It is supernatural. You can do what God says you can do. You can have what God says you can have. You can be what God says you can be. No matter what is going on in life, God does miracles. Jesus said it like this in Luke 6.45. He says, out of the abundance of the heart. He says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. 
So what is he saying? What's coming forth? What is the evil? Well, the evil is the breach. The evil is the thing in which is contrary to what God says. What is the good? The good is agreeing with God and what he has done because we believe that what he's done for us is real, is true, and we hold fast to that. And so we're bringing out the good through our confession. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. It's either going to speak good or it's going to speak evil. And you're going to find that sometimes you're going to speak what is not right, but you're going to have to Get your tongue under control. Because sometimes our tongue gets connected to our circumstances, to our mouth, or to our mind, instead of having it connected to our heart. So we need to make sure that we begin to develop our heart, plowing that up by the confession and the meditation on that word. Because when you confess the word, you're meditating on the word. You see, one of the things we have to be careful of is a critical tongue. A critical heart will produce a critical tongue. What is criticalness? Well, one of the things that a critical person is a self-righteous, just say as a Christian, we can be self-righteous. A self-righteous heart produces a judgmental tongue. A bitter heart produces a, a tongue that is, is poison. And an ungrateful heart produces a grumbling tongue. What we want to have is not a critical tongue. We don't want to have a self uh, a judgmental tongue, and we don't want to have a poisonous tongue, and we don't want to have a grumbling tongue. How do we do that? Well, we've got to get a, our heart right, get criticalness out of our heart, get self-righteousness out of our heart, get bitterness out of our heart, get ungratefulness out of our heart. You know, so one of the greatest ways to get these things cleared up out of you is to begin to be thankful to God for what he's done in Christ. Be thankful for your salvation. Be thankful for what promises that he has given, even though you feel like you've not completely seen the manifestation of those things yet in your life. If you believe it, you'll be thankful for it, and you'll begin to say it. You'll begin to produce the good fruit by saying, God, I just thank you. God, you promised. Think about Abraham for a moment. The Bible says he gave glory to God. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. That means he was praising God. He was being thankful to God, giving glory. He was being thankful. He was worshiping and thanking God with his mouth and, and even saying of himself that he is the father of many nations. He was persuaded in it. You know, even Paul said back there in Romans, he said in verse 38 of chapter 8, he says, for I'm persuaded. See, there's some things we have to be. We have to be persuaded in our mind. And that's the renewing of our mind. We have to be persuaded that neither death nor life, nothing. This life that's around us, death in itself, nothing's going to keep us back from having what God says. I'm received, I've received it. God is the performer of it. It's going to come to pass. God, I just thank you for it. I receive it. God, I'm claiming it. I'm professing it. And I thank you for it. You say, well, I did that one time. Well, that can be a mental assent to what God has promised you. You have to hold fast to that profession of faith. Well, I tried it and it didn't work. Well, you wasn't holding fast to the profession of faith. You had yet cultivated yourself to a point of manifestation. Well, how long do I have to do that before it comes to pass? However long it does till it manifests. You see, that's where you're persuaded. The children of Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness, came to the, and, and at the time they had come to the promised land, they didn't enter in. 
You know, Abraham spent over 21 years waiting on the promise that God had promised him, getting older all the time. So it looked, it, every day that went by looked like it was more impossible in the natural, but he never let that become an impossibility to what God had said. He believed God. The Bible tells us of Abraham, who's the father of our faith, that understanding that the promises that was given to him also was given to us. Those things that was given to the children was also given to us. We have those great and precious promises. And even better promises established on a better covenant through the blood of Jesus. So it's not going to fail. It's going to come to pass. But we don't want to have a breach in the spirit. We want to hold fast to the profession and make a pattern of sound words and renewing our mind on a continual, daily basis. When you think of it, you say it, you meditate on it, you give God the glory for it, you're thankful for what God has said. And what you're doing is you're renewing your mind and you're cultivating your heart. Today, you can make the tree good or you can make it bad. You know, I, I don't know anyone in their life who, who wants to make it bad. I don't think anyone in their life wants their family's life to be bad. Just let it go to the course of this world, the way the world is going. No, you see, when you're a Christian, you're not going with the stream. You're not going downstream. You're actually going upstream in the spirit. You know, the world thinks, well, we're rebelling. They're only rebelling against God and to the blessing of God. That's not an empowerment. That is the weakest way to live. It's because you're leaning to the arm of the flesh. The strongest way to live, and you're going in an opposite direction in the course of this world, is when you walk by faith. When you begin to hold fast to the profession of your faith. Because every time that you begin to say what God says and you begin to give him glory for that thing which you believe that God has revealed to you. You're like rowing a boat going upstream and you just keep going upstream. You're going to have times where you stop rowing and all of a sudden you feel that boat start turning and start going downstream. Next thing you know, you notice you're going downstream and everybody else is going the same way with you. Well, you just start turning that boat around. You start turning that thing around until you start going back in that same place and start holding fast to that profession of faith and you just continually row till you start moving upstream, you're going to find out that you're going to get stronger as you go that direction and you're going to get to the destination that you're called to go to and God knows how to cut that work short and bring you across to that place. I like what the Bible says when Jesus, in, in the book of John, in the book of Mark, chapter 6, where he told his disciples, he says, now go to the other side. And the Bible says that they grumbled, they complained, and he had to compel them to get into the boat. To go to the other side. So he constrained them to get in. He said, that's literally, he said, he's kind of pushing them on. Get in the boat. Go to the other side. I'll meet you there. He didn't quite say it like that, but he told them to go to the other side. And they got in the boat, and it was like 3 a.m. in the morning. And they got in the boat having a grumbling heart. And they get into the boat. They start rowing across. Next thing you know, the seas and the wind was contrary to them. So it was getting harder as they began to row. And the Bible says that Jesus come walking on the water would have passed them by. And the Bible tells us that they begin to holler. They didn't even recognize who God was, who Jesus was in the midst of their storm. Oftentimes, that's where we're at because we got a grumbling heart. He's telling us, listen, it's 3 a.m., and I want you to go to the other side. You're going to have to start rowing the boat. You're going to have to, hold, you're going to, have to start saying what I say. Oh, 
I don't know if I can do that. Well, you're going to have to start getting your oars. Put the tongue. Let your tongue. Because the Bible says in the book of James, your tongue is like a rudder of a ship. And it's going to turn wherever soever. Your life's going to turn wherever soever you direct it with your tongue. Out of the abundance of the heart. You're going to have to get that tongue going in that right direction. You're going to have to start speaking and saying what God says. You've got to say, glory to God, I'm going to go to the other side. This wind isn't going to be contrary. I don't, I'm not even feeling the wind. Come on, we're going to push through. We're going to get to the other side. But that's not the way the disciples were. That's oftentimes not the way we are. And Jesus come across, they didn't even recognize who he was. Oftentimes, we don't even see God in the time that we're going through. We're wondering, did he leave me? Am I all by myself? I feel so alone. I don't feel you right now. Well, God's right there with you the whole time. He gave you his word. And when he said, you're going to go to the other side, you're going to go to the other side. But the Bible says that as they saw him walking on the water, they thought he was a, they, they didn't even recognize him. They began to holler. The Bible says that Jesus stepped into the boat, and immediately when he stepped into the boat, they were on the other side. You see, we have to understand that the word that God has given to us is going to get you to the place that he said that word is supposed to get you to. It's going to give you the thing in which God said he's going to give you. It's going to produce where he sent it. It's going to perform, and he's watching over it to perform it. It's going to come to pass. We have to hold fast. We have to hold fast to our profession, and we're going to get to the other side. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.